Hello there, and welcome to the first official edition of the Draft Chat podcast, starring me, Nick, obviously. What's going on, guys? Uh, first, I want to thank whoever's listening, obviously. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for joining us in uh, Draft Chat Part 2, uh, Even Chattier. Uh, great title. Um so obviously there was some stuff going on in the group today uh, that a lot of people weren't expecting. I know that there's a lot of confusion. What happened, what didn't happen. We will be explaining everything in due time. Uh, I'm not sure if that explanation will come out before or after the release of this. Hopefully it'll be after so that the timeline makes a little more sense. But ultimately we're going to tell you exactly what's going on, exactly what happened, why we went about everything that we went about. And you guys will understand where we're coming from. And the hope is that this will be the last time that we will be having any types of changes, any types of overthrowing governments, basically, which is kind of what we're doing. And, um, you know, uh, just moving forward from where we are now to being that the group that we are now and being the group that we are now moving forward. So uh, if you were in the old group and you're in the new group, which I assume you are because you listen to this, you know, thank you for joining us in the group. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. And, you know, this is the first time that we're doing it. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing it. You know, today is just going to be me. Uh, that's not going to be the plan uh, full-time. I do want to incorporate you guys, obviously, because, the, you know, the podcast is for all of us. So, you know, uh, bear with me. We're going to try different things. Uh, I'm not sure what days we're going to be doing, whatever the case is. I feel like Tuesday is a pretty good day to do it, given that usually Monday Night Football is the last game of the week. But... As I'm shooting this right now, I am watching the Titans and Bills game, so things are a little different this week and you know, this year, given the whole COVID situation. But earlier today, I put a poll in the old group that is no longer with us of uh, the topics that you guys wanted to do. The four most popular ones, uh, the last I checked, was Dak Prescott, what the Cowboys should do with him, the Cleveland Browns. How serious are they as their 4-1 start? Uh, Drew Brees, is he done? Is he finished? And four was basically where the Falcons go from here after firing the long overdue firing of Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. So we are going to start with Dak Prescott. So uh, unfortunately, Dak Prescott suffered a pretty serious and pretty gruesome injury on Sunday. Uh, I know all of us saw it. Uh, Tony Romo seemed to have seen it last. Uh, I still think he believes it might be a cramp. That was pretty rough. But obviously the serious injury is going to be out four to six weeks, uh, four to six months, excuse me. And his season's over. The Cowboys season is pretty much over. Uh, it's a bad division, so I can see them compete for a division title just because the division's so bad. I wouldn't expect them to have much of a ceiling in the playoffs. But, you know, I mean... Andy Dalton is one of the better backups in the league. He probably was never as good as uh, Jonathan Poor thought he was. But, you know, like I said, he's a quality backup. He's a guy that you can probably win games with. He kind of showed that this weekend when he beat a, you know, obviously Grant had a really bad Giants team. But, you know, the Cowboys offense has a lot of pieces. Uh, great running back, still a bunch of great receivers. And if 2015 showed us anything, you know, Andy Dalton is a guy who, with Perfect surroundings can be pretty productive. So I don't expect the Cowboys to completely fall off, at the very least offensively. I think their issues you know, still remain on the defense side of the ball, and obviously those aren't going to change. Maybe you know, the defense rallies a little bit, realizing that they can't rely on their offense as much as they used to be able to. Although, to be fair, at 1-3, how much were they uh, relying on them? But I, I can see the defense trying to step up a little more, trying to take you know, different approaches, whatever the case is. And I can see Dallas being a competitive team, so to speak. You know, I don't, Their ceiling obviously isn't very high. If they do make the playoffs, I can't imagine them ever winning a playoff game because you know, Andy Dalton never did that in Cincinnati. So, you know, um, But I can see Dallas not falling completely off a cliff. But you never know, you know, uh, Andy Dalton hasn't been the Andy Dalton that he was for a long time too, so, you know, maybe the game's left him a little bit, I don't know. 
But more importantly, uh, I think the bigger question that you guys are more interested in was, what does Dallas do from here? You know, it was all the talk in our group a lot, uh, outside the group, with what the Cowboys should do with Dak. Should they keep him? Should they resign him? Whatever the case is. Obviously, they made an effort to try to resign him. Dak felt like it wasn't enough. It wasn't a high enough price tag. The opinions on was he worth the money that he was asking for versus what was he worth uh, varied. I was pretty vocal on the reality is that I was under the understanding that he was going to get paid an exorbitant amount of money because he plays a premium position for a premium franchise, at least you know name-wise. You know, they haven't had the success of a premium franchise lately, but they are a pretty big mar- you know, marketable franchise. And I was under the expectation that he would get paid, but the reality was that he's probably not worth the $35 million that he was probably going to get. Now, it seems like he was asking for even more than that, whatever the case is. There's a lot of details on what he might have been asking for versus what he wasn't asking for and whatever the case is. Obviously, we don't know for sure. I'm not totally sure what he was asking for, what he wasn't asking for. You know, we hear different stories, whatever the case is. Ultimately, I'm sure he was asking for a lot of money. and I'm sure it was just an amount of money that Dallas wasn't comfortable with. So, you know, players don't like playing on their franchise tag for the most part because it presents such a health risk. Uh, not a health risk, but it presents such a risk to them for their future earnings because, you know, football is a, is a violent sport. And even when it's not violent, things go wrong. You know, uh, guys misstep. We've seen plenty of guys tear their Achilles on simple runs, and their careers are never the same. So this is why players try to get all that guaranteed money as quick and as much as possible, as much as they can. It's why they hold out. It's why all this stuff happens. Obviously, you all know this. So I understand where Dak was coming from, trying to get as much money as possible. Was he asking for more than he was probably worth it? At the very least, he was to the opinion of the Cowboys. So, like I said, I don't really know where they stand from here. I don't know how much he was asking for. I don't know where the Cowboys are maxing out at. But I'll say this. I understand that it's a business at the end of the day. And that's always what it's going to be. However, I do think that there is something to be said about not wanting to seem like the, the to be the kind of organization that will take advantage of its players in you know weaker positions. Like we said, at the end of the day, it's a business. You can't just pay people just because you want to make them feel better about themselves or whatever the case is, and that's fine. At the same time, you know, Dak has been a productive quarterback for the Cowboys. We can argue how productive he is, where his production comes from. Even this year, you know, they were 1-3. They were a silly, silly onside kick away from a really poor, poorly coached team at the very least from being 0-4 with an offense that was putting up historic numbers, but part of the reason they were putting up historic numbers is because of how bad the defense was. And the one thing that, sh- that should be mentioned about the Cowboys and their offense, a lot of the production was coming in games that they were down. And now you can't blame them for being down, for giving up those, those points, but it does mean that you weren't putting up points at the time that you needed to be putting up those points, you know, to try to keep, you know... In, in line with, with your opponent. So if you're going down 24 nothing every game or whatever it is, 24-3 or 24-7 or 21-10, whatever the case is, if you're getting down double digits, unless you're giving up, unless they're, they're just giving up freak plays and stuff like that, it means that the other offense is coming out of the gate better than you are. So I understand that you're not going to come out of the gate, you know, guns blazing every game, but you, if you're going down, it, it, to me, it's a, if you're going down two, three scores at a, in, in a game at a time, to me, that's that's a failure on all three levels. It's a failure on offense, it's a failure on defense, and there's a chance at the very least there's a failure on special teams in some way. So, you know, football's a team game, obviously, you know, and you're all relying on each other. So, clearly the offense was struggling early. They weren't making the plays that they needed to play early, and they were going down early. Now, the offense has a lot of talent on it. They have talented wide receivers, the offensive line's been banged up a lot, so I'm not going to say the offensive line is overly talented right now, but, you know, you still have Zach Martin. I know Tyron Smith's out for the year now, so that hurts, but yeah, Tyron Smith for a couple of games, you know, Collins is out for the year too, so that hurts. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of talent on offense, so you're basically going to be able to compete offensively in every game. Problem is, if you're going down every game, you know, you're basically going to be padding your stats, 
Not because you're just padding your stats, because you're in comeback mode, but that's what it's going to look like. So, you know, it's a tough situation. Uh, but what I think the Cowboys, personally, what I think the Cowboys should do is the Cowboys should still be motivated to come to an agreement with Dak. Uh, perhaps, at the very least, the injury will give Dak a little pause to ask for the ceiling of what he was asking for. Um, but to show some good faith, I, I don't think the Cowboys should try to chase the absolute floor of a contract that they were chasing too. So if they were offering 35, you know, and Dak was asking for 40, well, okay, you could probably try to push him down to 27, 28, but do you really want to go down that much? Maybe maybe you give him 30 and say, like, let's see how the rehab goes, whatever the case is, whatever it is. Logistics can be figured out, but to me personally, I think that the Cowboys have an opportunity here to do right by their player, uh, a guy they really like, and a guy who's, you know, Dak is really well-liked by the league. You know, we can argue about how good of a player he is, you know, wh- where position-wise he belongs in the NFL as a quarterback, but Dak seems like a genuinely good guy, an easy guy to cheer for. You know, um, even me as a Giants fan, well, even though I try to be fair, of course, uh, I was pretty upset with uh, the things that Skip Bayless had to say this offseason or right before the season or the cases regarding Dak and him coming out and speaking about, you know, his brother uh, committing suicide and how it made him feel. You know, uh, there was a lot of people in his corner for that, you know, although, to be fair, I feel like nobody's ever in Skip Bayless' corner. So I think it'll be, it's, it's a good opportunity for Dallas to show a little bit of goodwill, um, negotiate in good faith, uh, try and get a deal done, uh, give a guy who, you know, who really since coming to the league has really been a quality player. And he's, at the very least, inarguably has completely outplayed his draft status. You know, he's taken it in the fourth round, and he's been, uh, even by his harshest critics, absolutely a starting quarterback in the NFL, which is better value than a day three pick, obviously. So, personally, I, I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. Uh, emotions are running high right after the game. You know, everybody's just feeling for him and stuff like that. But I think the Cowboys should take this opportunity to, uh, you know, just kind of buckle down, you know, let him get through his rehab and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for them to try to take care of one of their own. I think it's something that they should do, they should look for. You know, this offense has more or less kind of been tailored to him to begin with. So, you know, a lot of people said, like, you know, move on from Dak and this and that. And I mean, I guess you can, but, you know, I don't I don't think that's the best route for them. I, th- I think they just, you know, they need to hope his, his recovery goes well. We all do, obviously. And, um, you know, from there, they just kind of want to see him, you know, Come back to the team. Hopefully, come back as as he was. And you know, you have the offense still built there. You still have the three wide receivers you're gonna have there. You know, you took Lamb in the first round this year. Uh, you need to focus on the defense, obviously, because the defense is, is pretty poor, at least at the very least right now. But I think the best scenario for both of them is for them to just try to come to an agreement. You know, hope his rehab goes well, and you know, they should just should be together and, and stick it out. You know, uh, the Cowboys have, haven't been a bad team since Dak's been there. You know, they, they've never really recaptured the magic of the rookie year where, you know, a lot of things just seem to break right. But, you know, for most great years, a lot of things seem to break right. So, and Dak has definitely improved since then, you know. So, at the very least, I, I do think that they should, you know, try and figure out a way to uh, come to an agreement, uh, bring Dak back, and, you know, see what next year has. So, uh, those are my thoughts on Dak. Uh, next, next segment that we had, and I'm pretty sure this one's gonna be a popular one because I am a pretty big critic of, well, not so much the Browns, the Browns themselves will bother me, but, uh, of Baker Mayfield. So the next segment is the Browns and just how serious are the Browns, how, just how legitimate are the Browns. You know, they're, uh, they're four and one, they've won their last four games. You know, week one, they played a really good Ravens team. And, you know, they got outclassed by a good Ravens team. And, and uh, that's okay. You know, um, since then, they've been better. Now, obviously, they haven't played anywhere near an opponent like the Ravens. So, the questions that are going to be asked, and, you know, to the degree it, it's fair to ask them, well, just how good is this team? Because since then, they have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals. At home on a short week against you know a rookie quarterback, they have beaten. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, let me look it up real quick. 
well, they hosted they hosted Washington, who also not a very good team. They went to Dallas, which, granted, isn't a terrible win. Obviously, they put up 49 points, but Dallas gives up points to everybody. So, you know, and Dallas realistically could have been 0-4 if it wasn't for an onside kick, like we said earlier. So Dallas, I don't think, is being looked at as a an above-average team at the very least. And they beat a Colts team that had played pretty well, but I think I think everybody kind of sees that Philip Rivers is not going to be the answer for the Colts. At the very least, I don't think he is. I said it after Week One. You know that guy is just he's not somebody that you can rely on, uh, especially at this age. You know um, there was a time where you know at his peak he was a quality player and stuff like that, but I, I don't think that. And he just can't seem to stay away from the big mistake. It's always been a knock in his career, and that seems to have continued. So. Uh, the last four games, they have put up at least 32 points in all four games. Cleveland has a lot of talent. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Uh, they have, since Nick Chubb came to the league, he's been graded out as one of the best running backs in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. They have two very good receivers. Uh, I'm obviously a big fan of Beckham from his days with the Giants. I think he's an excellent receiver. He's been a little inconsistent since he's been there, but you know they also have Kareem Hunt. They spent a lot of money on uh, Austin Hooper, who I probably overpaid him a little bit, but uh, he's a quality tight end at the very least. Their biggest issue last year, offensively, other than Baker, but you can also attribute this to why Baker was bad, was the offensive line was poor last year, and it, it, was, it was just poor. It's absolutely a fair argument. They went out, they took Jedrick Wills in the first round, very good player. They went out and signed Jack Conklin. Interior, they actually weren't bad to begin with, you know, um, between... Uh, Joe Batonio, uh, J.C. Treader still there, and a guy who I actually liked as a kind of late pick, uh, Wyatt Tyler, I think his name is, right? yeah, Wyatt Tyler. So, I think he went down this weekend, but I'm not sure. Anyway, regardless, the offense has been good, and the defense has been, you know, the defense has been fine. They The defense has one excellent player, and it's a guy that... <laughs> For some reason, I seem to have run-ins with the Browns all the time. It's a guy that I was really critical of last year. But, to be fair, what I was critical about wasn't him as a player, obviously. I think Miles Garrett is a supremely talented player. I would never take that away from him. I definitely don't think everything went the way he said it went. But honestly, at this point, that stuff just doesn't matter. It really don't. So, supreme talent, excellent player. And he's been playing like one all year. He's been playing like the guy that... People saw him when he got drafted. He's been playing like a superstar defensive end that he is. I think the biggest question about the Browns, the two biggest questions are, one, do you do I think they can beat the better teams than them, so to speak? So to me, I, I, look, at the, I look at the AFC and I think to myself, okay, uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens to me are the top two teams in, in, in the conference. I think pretty much everybody would agree with that. Uh, outside of that, I think um, I think the Steelers are one of the better teams as well, you know. And I, you know, the Steelers had a really, really good, really, really good defense last year, and they had almost no quarterback play. So nobody should really be surprised that now that Ben Roethlisberger is back and he's playing pretty well, you know, maybe not spectacular, but he's playing pretty well, and you know they're. Formidable team. They're going to be a team that I think every week going to be able to compete with everybody. Uh, I'm not forgetting about the Bills. The Bills are also very good. I would put the Bills ahead of the Steelers for now. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, year three, he's been great. You know, um, for the most part, he's, he's been excellent. A couple of mistakes here and there, whatever the case is, he's not perfect. But for the most part, as a Bills fan, you got to be thrilled with, you know, where where he is, where his development is. I give him a hard time here and there and stuff like that. But I, I, I have always given him credit. I, I always appreciate that he's always out there giving max effort, which I can always appreciate. Uh, and I, you know, he seems like a fun guy to cheer for. I, I don't have anything against him personally, you know. So, um, I think those are the four, to me, the four best teams in the conference. I also think Tennessee is a good, not great football team, but a Pretty good football team. You know, uh, they proved last year with the guy that they have, if if he's clicking on all cylinders, 
they could be tough to stop too. So, you know, the AFC has has a handful of good teams. So where do I think the Browns fall on that? I mean, I think that the Browns are not as good as the Chiefs and not as good as the Ravens. I think everybody would agree with that. I don't think they're as good as the Bills. I think those are three teams that are clearly ahead of them. I do like the Steelers better than them. Um, I don't necessarily think that they can't compete with the Steelers at all. My thing is, is I kind of want to see Baker and that offense in general. So I'm not to put John Baker, but I want to see that offense in general excel against a high quality defense. You know, the defenses they played at this point, uh, the Colts are, you know, they're a fine defense. I, they're not a bad defense, so I'm not saying that, but they're not a defense that you dominate and you turn around and you say like, well, you know, we really had our way with them. And to be fair, you know, they didn't really dominate the, the Colts defense this weekend. Uh, you know, Rivers put put Rivers put the defense in some some tough spots. Pretty sure they had at least a pick six, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, you know, regarding that too. So it's also important to know, you know, what kind of positions that the offense put them in versus what kind of positions they even put them in. Whatever cases, they haven't. The only the, the best defense they played to this point was Baltimore, and they kind of got, you know, <clears throat> beat up a little bit by Baltimore. Now, to be fair. There was no preseason. Uh, they have a new head coach. You know, in week one, they played against a fantastic team. A uh, ton of talent on both sides of the ball. It's a little re- it's a, re- a little to be expected that, that Cleveland would struggle week one. Um, you know, a new coach, uh, new system, everything. You know, the advantage for teams in week one were teams that were together from the previous year, to me. Especially week one. You know, from that point on, you know, everybody kind of gets their feet wet. You get a little more into the swing of things. You get back into more shapes of the case. But every team that was, every team that was, you know, intact, same coaching staff, whatever the cases, was at an advantage week one, and the Browns didn't have that advantage. So I'm kind of willing to overlook their loss to the Ravens. Um, I don't think they would have beat the Ravens, you know, better situations. But at the very least, I might be a little more competitive. Since then, you know, the Browns have been really good. Um, Baker has been fine. I think that's a big one here too. He's been fine. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's been bad. Definitely wouldn't say he's been bad. I wouldn't argue he's been spectacular either. I don't think that's a fair assessment. I forget who said it. I think it was Drake. Drake Anthony might have said it, but he basically drew a comparison to Kirk Cousins, and and I'm pretty sure Joshua said that he hasn't really reached those heights yet, which is fair. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is a terrible comp for him and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way anyway um Kirk Cousins is clearly a starting quarterback in the NFL he is a I would I would average I would argue that he's a plus starting quarterback so he's at the very least an above average starting quarterback and you know if your team around him is right you can reach certain heights with him that's that's what the situation with Kirk Cousins is you know is he the kind of guy that's gonna outright carry your team you know put him on your back and Probably not, and you know my criticism of of Baker was always um, maturity wise. I don't, I, I didn't trust him. I personally wouldn't have ever drafted him to be the face of my franchise. But you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily right. I make mistakes all the time, so maybe I was wrong about him. I'm not sure that I feel that way yet. But you know, it's per- perfectly reasonable that I could have been wrong about him. Right now, you know, things are going okay. But the one thing I would say is that. When teams are winning, things seem to be going okay. That's generally how it works. You know, winning cures a lot of things. There's not much for him to really be problematic about. So, you know, they're 4-1. They're kind of, you know, humming along. They're playing well. And, you know, I, I think they're not at the, the top of the, of the, of the division, uh, of the conference. But they're right there in, in, in that playoff race, obviously. I think this week will, will show us a lot, though. Uh, they're on the road in Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh's coming off a big win against, uh, you know, Wednesday arrival. Pittsburgh's also 4-0, so it's a big divisional game. They're going to want to keep pace. If Cleveland wins, you know, they can have a road, a road win against or have a road game against Pittsburgh. You know, they'll, they'll basically be tied for first place, I think. Pretty sure they would be. So, you know, this is a big game for, for Cleveland to kind of show out and and, you know, put themselves on the map. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I want to see what they do against what I f- 
feel is, is better competition than the, the competition they've faced over the last four weeks. You know, their schedule obviously is not their fault. They can only play who they put in the schedule. But, you know, this week they're, they're playing a team that, that, that I would definitely argue is, is better than the other team that they've played. So if they come out and, and they get a win this week, or even if they don't, but, you know, you win a, you play a tight game on the road against a division rival and, you, you know, you lose a close one and stuff like that, it, you know, I'm not really one for moral victories in the sense of, you know, obviously you want to win the football game. Everybody does. But, you know, there, there, is, there is value. There can be value in defeats a lot of times in the season. I mean, as a Giants fan in 2007, the Giants, Week 17, lost to the Patriots. But I'll be the first person to tell you there was absolutely value in that. So, you know, just proving that you belong can do a lot for a team mentally, too. You know, because if Cleveland goes into Pittsburgh and they get the doors blown off, uh, they're going to look at themselves and say, played four bad teams, we beat four bad teams, played two good teams, and we didn't even compete with two good teams. Uh, that's not going to be great for their, for their psyche. That's not going to be great for their ego. But... They go into Heinz Field, and if they go into Heinz Field to beat them, obviously it's great. But even if they go to Heinz Field and they play a tough game, and you know they, they lose a you know twenty seven twenty four, you know something close or twenty four twenty, you know last minute drive, Pittsburgh goes ahead, whatever the case is. They, if they clearly compete and they clearly show that they belong in the same field with them, I think it can do a lot for them uh, moving forward. You know, after that, they have two more games before they're, they're by. They have, they're hosting Cincinnati. They're at Cincinnati, and they're playing the, the, the Raiders. You know, if you're going to win this week, you know, you're looking at, you could be up to 7-1 going into your bye, which any any Cleveland fan would love to have that. So, I think the Browns are an above-average football team in the AFC. I don't think they're in the upper echelon. But, listen, I mean, Tennessee last year, nobody put nobody would have put them in the upper echelon of the AFC last year heading to the playoffs, and they were a game away from the Super Bowl. So, you know, you get, in, you, you get, into, get into the playoffs, you never know what can happen. So, uh, ultimately, I think the Browns are an above-average full team. I think their start comes with a little grain of salt, but also there's a lot of nice things to like about the team. Uh, I think they're trending in the right direction. You know, so far, the, the new head coach looks like he's, you know, he's made an impact. Put a big emphasis on the run, which is you know his reputation to be, and um, you know uh, I think I think Sunday will tell you a lot about the Browns. So I'm looking forward to Sunday. Uh, kind of want to see uh, how that goes, and, and basically you know Baker's going to play a really good defense this year, this week. Obviously, it hurts at the missing Chubb, so that should be mentioned. Uh, he's an excellent player, and not having him will hurt. But you know, injuries happen in the NFL. There's nothing we can do about him. It sucks. It really, really does suck. I wish nobody ever got injured, both for them and for our, for our selfish reasons. But uh, we'll see. Uh, so third, like I said earlier, was Drew Brees. Is Drew Brees done? Yes. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's a tough call. It's a tough call because... I don't think he's done to the point where he can no longer be the quarterback of the team. So what I mean by that, basically, is um, in, in, years, in years past, so I was watching the game last night, and well, first off, not crazy about Summer Sean Payton's play calling. So that's not a Drew Brees issue. But... It's fair to wonder where the play calling is coming from and if it's coming from a place of, well, Sean Payton just feels like this is basically what they can run. And I, I don't know what the reason is. And that might be the reason. And if it is a reason, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect, obviously, what they're going to do. If you feel like you have a quarterback who can't really push the ball downfield much anymore, can't be trusted, it's going to limit a lot of what you do. To me, the, the biggest the, the the biggest evidence of Breeze clearly being well past his prime. Obviously, I think everybody agrees with that. But even being to the point where I'm not sure he's the full full on guy anymore is Drew Breeze getting taken out on third down in the red zone. To me, by his own head coach, is nuts. <laughs> I mean, they're bringing in Taysom Hill to run these little, you know, quarterback, wildcat, run 
pass option things like okay like that's that's the kind of stuff that that teams that don't have the talent at quarterback want. There's a reason why you know they never ran a wildcat in, in New England when Tom Brady was there winning MVPs. They don't do that in in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. They they didn't do that in New Orleans seven, eight, nine years ago when Brees was throwing five thousand yards a year. You don't do that when your best option is literally just your quarterback having the ball in his hands and making plays because that's your best option. You never go away from that. So when Sean Payton, who's had Drew Brees basically his entire career there, when he's turning to Taysom Hill on third down in the biggest points of the game in the red zone, to me, it, it says a lot about where he thinks Drew Brees is. Now, Michael Thomas has been out since week one. That, you know, definitely affects them because their passing offense itself is, you know, unspectacular. They have um, they have Emmanuel Sanders. Jared Cook, you know, pops for a play here and there. They have Smith, too, you know, um, who's played pretty well in, in Michael Thomas' absence. But obviously none of those guys are... Michael Thomas. I mean, nobody runs the slants and only the slants like Michael Thomas. <laughs> but, listen, Michael Thomas is a good player. And obviously losing him is going to hurt an offense. I mean, you know, look, look at Atlanta. Atlanta has no Julio Jones and their passing offense looks like a shell of itself without Julio. You know, so clearly guys who are the focal points of an offense absolutely affect an offense. You know, it only makes sense. But I don't see Michael Thomas coming back into this team and then, you know, Sean Payton basically being like, okay, well, now we're back and basically just never... See, I, I, don't, think, I don't think Sean Payton's only doing this because Michael Thomas is absent. I think he's doing this because nobody watches more Drew Brees than, than Sean Payton. Sean Payton watched him practice on Wednesday, watched him practice on Thursday, watched him practice on Friday, watches his, his tape on Sunday over and over and over again. He knows what... Peyton, he knows what Drew Brees has more than any of us will ever know. He's more privy to that, to that information. So I think what he's doing, basically, at this point, is just telling you, you know, our best bet on third and four isn't always Drew Brees throwing for five yards, which it used to always be. You know, our best bet now is Taysom Hill trying to come in and, and run some weird play, you know, around off tackle or try to bait people into a throw or this and that and it looks stupid to us it looks stupid to me personally but he must genuinely believe that that presents him the best chance to win and I think that says a lot about what he thinks about what Drew Brees is at this point what what I what I think is a little stranger though is you know they got Jameis Winston and I was I was a guy who was, who was a big James Winston coming out, you know, and listen, Winston he turns the ball over way too much, and that's clearly a problem, and something he's got to work on. But he clearly has ability, you know, and I mean, at this point, like I look at it and I think to myself, well, I thought I thought Winston going to New Orleans was actually a great move for him because it's the best thing that could happen for his career. Drew Brees doesn't have more than a year. We thought a year or two before this year. I'm not sure that he has anything beyond this year. But you go to a team that already has a pretty good offense, has a good offensive, offensive-minded coach and Peyton. You know, if if Winston's career is gonna is gonna have a you know a recharge somewhere, that's a great place for him to have it. But at some point, my thinking is like, okay, if you really genuinely believe that Drew Brees isn't, you know, isn't the answer. I, mean, I, I I don't know because the, the roster they should be better. You know, New Orleans should be better. We're a good team last year. We a good team the year before. You know, the, the defense is well, on paper it's supposed to be improved. You know, obviously they struggled this year. But if you feel like Drew Brees is holding you back, then I mean, at some point you got to consider changing it up. I mean, and I don't look at Hill as a guy that you're going to put in and play all the snaps at quarterback. I'm, and I'm not sure that they do either, even though they seem to pay him like they do. So, I mean, if you really, really feel like he, he's shot, I guess you want to do it right by him and try to get him through the year or whatever the case is. But, I mean, Winston may not, may not be that far off. I, I mean, I don't personally think that we'll see Winston this year, but, oh my goodness. 
I'm watching the Titans game and Derrick Henry just ragdolled one of the DBs on a Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, I mean, I, I think the very least Breeze now is an average to maybe slightly above average quarterback. The, the Saints will not win now because of the arm of Drew Breeze. And it's a problem because I'm not sure that they have enough anywhere else to win because of anything else. The one thing I will say about the Saints, and this is probably my fantasy team talking, but Alvin Kamara is just awesome. Uh, Derrick Henry ragdolled Josh Norman. I'm sure all of you guys saw it, but that's embarrassing. He deserves that, though. Um, Alvin Kamara is spectacular. And he's... He had some weird usage last night. But if anybody is going to be the reason why they're going to go somewhere, it's probably going to be more Kamara. You know, so... I don't know, the Saints are, um, you know, they're still playing well enough. You know, uh, I think the 3-2. and two. The division's, you know, pretty close. Uh, you got the Bucks are also 3-2. and two. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure who I would pick to win the division from here. Uh, it's kind of tough. You know, the Saints have a little bit of a leg up on Tampa with the win against them, but, you know, Tampa, Tampa has a lot of talent outside of Brady. So, like, to me, if, if you're looking at the teams... And you're you're taking away the quarterbacks. I'd probably pick Tampa's roster over New Orleans' roster. So if you're doing that, and then you ask yourself, well, what quarterback has looked better over the last, over the first five weeks? I'd probably argue Tom Brady's looked better, which is crazy because he's <laughs> mid forties almost. But I'd probably argue Tom Brady's looked better. So, you know, at that point, you know, I'd probably pick Tampa to win the division from here. You know, but a lot can change. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Michael Thomas brings more to the table than than we actually think. You know, obviously Mike Thomas is a talented player. You know, we all give him a lot of a hard time because, listen, frankly, he deserves it. But um, I was a big Michael Thomas fan coming out. He he was my top wide receiver that that year. I was really upset the Giants didn't take him over Sterling Shepard, who's basically another small slot guy. When we had Odell on the other side, imagine having had Michael Thomas running slants left and right while Beckham was doing everything else. It been great, but. Such as life as a Giants fan nowadays. Um, but yeah, I mean, as of now, I think Breeze is an, is, is an issue. Um, because I don't think they fully have that belief system in him at this point anymore. At least that's what Sean Payton's saying with, with running all those Taysom Hill packages. So, I mean, that's kind of where, where I see them. But, you know, we'll, again, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll leave it a little open to see what they look like when Michael Thomas returns. Uh, maybe they feel like they're not really able to push the ball downfield because of him, even though it's weird. Why would you think that, right, for the obvious reasons? But we'll see. I know they're on bye this week, so uh, you know, week seven, we'll see where they come back from. And the last topic, as we close down here, last topic was the, the Falcons. Or where do the Falcons go from here? So I made a suggestion earlier today uh, that some people seem to respond to. I don't think it would be the worst idea in the world for the 49ers to reach out and see if they were able to take Matt Ryan from the Falcons. Now, I don't know if that would happen in the middle of the season. I don't know if that would happen in the offseason. I think the connection there is obvious. You know, uh, Matt Ryan had his MVP year under Kyle Shanahan. You know, so that's the year they lost in the Super Bowl, 23, the whole shebang. I'm not sure where Atlanta goes from here. You know, Ryan's not young. He's older. But, you know, we've seen quarterbacks play well into the 30, into the 30s, so I'm not sure how old Matt Ryan is. I think he's like 35, 36 maybe. I can check on that in a second. But, you know, it's fair to wonder how many years of, you know, high performance, so to speak, he has. You know, so uh, Matt Ryan just turned 35 in May. So, I mean, if, He's still in the contract. Obviously, they, they resigned him for quite a bit. But, you know, with him, you kind of got to figure out wh- wh- where you're going to go from here. Because they're 0-5. They, I feel like anytime you're in a position to take a top quarterback prospect, you need to consider your situation versus, you know, that prospect, obviously. You know, with the Colts... Peyton Manning clearly had more QB left to play. Now, we knew that after the fact, but I think a lot of people, for the most part, believe that he did. 
you know, but they looked at it like, okay, maybe we pass up on another year or two of quality QB play to get ourselves a decade of quality QB play. And ultimately, if that's really what you believe out of those prospects, to me, that's a smart choice. So, obviously, Ryan hasn't suffered uh, an injury the way Peyton Manning did, at least to this point. I mean, this time, you know, hopefully he doesn't, obviously, for his sake. But, you know, he hasn't suffered an injury that would make you say, well, I'm not sure if, his career, if he's ever going to be the same again. However, if you look at Matt Ryan and you think to yourself, well, I think maybe he's got two good years of quarterback left. And, you know, the Falcons have the first overall pick or the second overall pick. And they're looking at, you know, right now we would assume it would be, you know, Justin Fields and, and, and Trevor Lawrence in some order, probably Lawrence for us, but you never know. And you're looking at both those guys and you say to yourself, I think those guys are going to be a good quarterback in the NFL for 10 years. And I think Matt Ryan has maybe two years left. Well, I think then at that point you really need to heavily consider if it's worth it to stick it out with Ryan. You know, because... You sh- you don't you don't and that was kind of the mistake that the Giants made, you know the, the Giants kind of stuck it out with Eli a little longer than they probably should have, you know and you no know, it didn't work out for them and then they went out and got the quarterback that they really liked and now it's a mixed bag of things, you know Jones has flashed at times he's also turned the ball over a ton and you know you're you were a year and a half almost into his career and. Or 0-5. And I think if the Giants get a top two pick, they're going to go with one of the top two quarterbacks. You know, quarterbacks don't get the shelf life that they used to. They just don't. You know, and especially, in particular, if the guy who's in charge of the Giants on draft day this year, this following coming up year, isn't the guy that took Daniel Jones. He's not going to be, you know, committed to keeping Daniel Jones to right the mistake because it's not it wasn't his mistake to have made. So I think at that point the Giants might be looking for that and I, I could see the Falcons in the same situation. You know? Um I know they had still have Julio Jones on the contract, they still have Todd Ridley, but the reality is that Julio Jones on the contract Ridley not really still not on the contract yet, but he's on the team obviously. You have Julio Jones on the contract, you have Ridley. It's not that big of an issue because if you get rid of Matt Ryan Okay, you're nearly a quarterback. If you go out and get a rookie quarterback, well, it's not bad for a rookie quarterback to have quality players as a little ball to. You know, it's not going to hurt their development for them to actually have guys who are getting open. You know, now, if you think Julio's done, whatever the case is, obviously, different situation. You know, uh, we're starting to see Julio... Julio's always battled injuries over the years, but we're starting to see him kind of uh, succumb to those injuries this year a little more. Like... He's not able to play through them as much. Even when he does play through them, he's not as effective as, as, as he usually is. You know, so maybe, you know, this is the, the beginning of the end for Julio. And maybe they were starting to see cracks in the foundation for him. You know, so, I mean, who knows? You know, so to me, the Falcons have a big decision to make because from here is, is where you're going to decide the next, I want to say the next at least five years because what happens now is that if you if you decide that it's it's going to be Ryan again, even if he plays well next year and even if the, the team is better next year, I'm not sure you feel like you, they're a, a suitable contender. I, I I probably don't feel that way, but even if he plays great the next year, he's not going to you know you're only looking at one or two two years and then in two years, three maybe you're probably going to need to start looking at another quarterback. I mean, look at Green Bay. Green Bay went around and dropped that quarterback round one this year, which I think we all agree doesn't make sense. But, all right, so you're, you know, you're basically mapping out the next five to six years of your, of, of your franchise at this point. And the, the other thing that comes down to it is, all right, whoever is the new GM, because they need to hire one, and the new coach, because they need to hire one, is going to want to have some say on, you know, who it's going to be. And who who they're gonna they're hitched a wagon to as they try to rebuild up the team, you know. Obviously, Matt Ryan's been there for a really long time, and he's been a, a great draft pick. He won, won you know, won an MVP for them. You know, he's listen. He's been a he's been a really good pick for them. I, I don't think anybody can argue otherwise. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, I don't know. I pr- probably not right now at the very least. 
you know, I don't think he's done enough, but, you know, he's been really, really, really good for a you know, pretty long time. You know, I think they've got to, uh, I want to say, three NFC Championship games, but it might be two. I think it's two, actually, yeah. They went, they lost San Francisco. And, you know, they went to one Super Bowl, should have won the Super Bowl. Imagine how different his career, his career would have looked, you know, if they'd won it, but, you know, unfortunately they did not um, for him. You know, so I I can see them wanting to keep him. You know, he's meant a lot to to the city, and, and he's kind of brought them. I, I could see that them having the loyalty towards him. The problem is loyalty gets us in a lot of trouble. But I can see them having loyalty towards him because, you know, after the whole Vic thing went down and stuff like that, like they got him pretty quick afterwards, and they were able to kind of, you know, rebuild. I'm pretty sure he took him to the playoffs. Uh, I want to say his rookie year, I think. Um, you know, so. I don't know if he was in 2008, but I don't know if he was drafted in 2008. I think he was. You know, um, but, you know, yeah, it was 2008, third, third overall. I could see why they have the loyalty to him, but if it's a situation that actually works for him too, because obviously I think a decision like that, you do need to involve uh, your quarterback. And I think you need to, you know, be on the same page with him as well and stuff. You don't want to trade him somewhere he doesn't want to go. But if he can get a semi-new start, if he, for example, I, I threw out San Francisco as an option, and I don't think San Francisco is a terrible idea because it's a coach he's familiar with. It's a team that's probably, uh, be, it's probably better suited for him to compete with, you know, next year than Atlanta is at the very least. I think everybody would agree with that, even though San Fran looks like they might be having a down year. They're also, you know, they also got a lot of injuries and stuff like that, and you know, whatever. It is. It is what it is. Sometimes it just kind of happens, you know. I think a lot of things went right for San Francisco last year that aren't quite going right this year. And, you know, whatever. sometimes it happens. But I think they're more talented than, than what they've shown as well. Um, so, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I also know that Kyle Shanahan, you know, obviously he likes him. Uh, they, they, they have good rapport together. So, I, I can kind of see both, both angles of it. I think it kind of depends on where Atlanta finishes the season, if if they, you know if they come come in with a new coach and um, you know they uh, they become a decent team. I mean they're all in five, so I mean how much more decent can they be? You know, uh, unfortunately they were decent on the stretch last year, and it convinced them to keep Dan Quinn, which was clearly a horrible decision. But you know, here they are now, and you know. If from this point on they're a you know a 500 team, one of the cases, and you don't have one of those top picks, I think it's a little easier for you to say, all right, well maybe we're not going to do a full rebuild, we'll do a little bit of a reset, you know, uh, fix with the defense a little bit, with a little better coaching, maybe we'll be a little more prepared to win close games because clearly we're very ill prepared to win close games now. Um, so I can kind of see both routes. I, I don't know what I would do. I, I think you can't really make the decision right now anyway. I think you do want to see uh, how Ryan looks the rest of the year. And I, I think you want to see where you end up. Uh, I think as, as a team, you, sh- you know, you're going to make the efforts to, to win games, obviously. But they've been making that effort to win games for five weeks and they haven't done it. So sometimes you're just a bad team. So I, I think Atlanta comes out and, and they, you know, they make an effort to win those games. And, you know, you see what's what from there. I think if you finish with a pick in, you know, the late top ten, early I think maybe you stay the course of Matt Ryan. But the one thing that does give me a little pause with him, though, is, you know, Julio Jones, like I said earlier, he's been out of the lineup for a bit. And their offense just looks totally out of sync without him. And listen, Julio Jones is a fantastic player, so, I mean, I get, you know, things being a little different without him, but the first couple of weeks, they were throwing for yardage left and right. And, like, Julio Jones comes out, and now they're like, all sorts of dysfunctional, you know, and like I said, listen, Julio's a great player and stuff like that, but if your passing game is completely reliant on your wide receiver, you know, the question comes, what is, what is the quarterback doing, you know, like, because the quarterback needs to play a role in the passing game too, obviously, you know, you're definitely going to lose the dynamic without him, but, you know, their problem is that they're really not deep a wide receiver behind Julio and Ridley, I don't know, they've been playing... Gage and uh, the Zacchaeus guy, who I ain't even heard of until a couple weeks ago. You know, I mean, that's not depth. So the drop-off is really big, too. 
Hayden Hurst has been a little underwhelming too. I'm surprised they haven't used him more, especially after the usage that Austin Hooper got. And you know, I mean, Gurley's been okay. Uh, there's, there's a lot. The offensive line has, I listen, they haven't played great, but at the same time, you know, the offensive line has a lot of like highly, highly touted draft picks. So, you know, they've been okay. They've been, they were better than they've been better than they've been last year. So, you know, you kind of got to see uh, where Atlanta, you know, goes from here. Uh, I think you, you, your two main options are basically uh, trade Matt Ryan. You know, I listed San Francisco as an option, but I, I, you know, I'm sure that you could figure out more options around the league. You know, for a team that might want him. Um, you know, and then kind of see where you can go from there. Uh, another team that I could see that could work, which wouldn't be a bad idea, is if the Colts see that you know Phil Rivers really isn't the answer, and uh, you know. The Colts probably aren't going to be a bad enough team to get a top draft pick this year anyway. And, you know, Rivers is not young. And neither is Ryan, but Matt Ryan's a little younger. And maybe you figure if you can get three, four years out of him, I could see them as an option too. You know, um, I could probably think of more, but, you know, that's, that's one of the ones that I was thinking of. Uh, I guess New England wouldn't be a terrible place if uh, they decide not to re-sign Cam. And, you know, Matt Ryan went to Boston College. It's not a terrible fit. I could see him kind of being the sort of guy that, you know, um, Bill Belichick might like too and stuff. So, you know, there's a couple of places I'm, sh- I'm sure Matt Ryan get a job somewhere. You know, I don't, I don't think he's completely finished. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting angles there. Um, I think you need to see how the rest of the year plays out, though, before you can really make a decision. But I, I think those are the two things that you really, really have to weigh. Um, and that's, um, that's our four downs. I didn't consider making it four downs, but that actually makes sense, you know, football related and all that stuff. And um, that's going to do it for the first Draft Shot podcast. Uh, If you guys made it all the way to the end here, I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, like I said from here, whoever listened to the live live audio and stuff like that, like I said from here, I'm open to suggestions, I'm open to ideas, you know... um, I'm I'm open to you know a bunch of stuff. Uh, whatever you guys think, you know this show was basically for Grab Chat, so I'm catering it to to you guys. You know, it's catering it to us, to our group. If you guys have ideas, if you guys think there's other stuff we could talk about, uh, I do plan on having people on. Uh, I'm doing this through the Anchor app, but it will be available in the you know the uh, podcast store on Apple and wherever else that it would, it would be available to. Uh, I'm told that it's a pretty simple concept for that to be able to add people and have people on stuff like that uh, dubs has told me so um definitely into that uh, you know we could figure stuff out but i do like the concept of you know asking you guys the topics and we go from there i think it's a great way to keep you guys involved and um yeah i mean you know take it from here thank you for listening guys thank you for being a part of the group uh, you know we do appreciate it we hope that you guys are enjoying it you know, me and the admin team, you know, we're, we're, we appreciate the, the loyalty and the bouncing around. And we do hope that this is it, basically. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And we'll do this again soon. Take care, guys.